We are in week number six of In His Light, evidences of God's grace. Evidences of God's grace. Him pouring out to us. That's what Paul's pouring out, his passion for. And as we close out the end of chapter three here today, Paul lights it up. So let's get into it. 1865, the end of the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation is signed. It was all about the cessation of the states, but also slavery. And you know what? Slaves were set free. And from that moment, no matter how they had lived their life up until then, they were freed men and women. In the deep south, on a plantation was a man and his family, slaves, who were continuing to do life as they knew from what they had heard. And they woke up the day after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Guess what? They didn't know anything about it. And so they continued to serve as a slave. And the days went on, and the weeks went on, and the months went on, as this family worked on the plantation, as they always had for their entire life, no difference. Slave. And the owner chose not to tell. Chose to keep it quiet. We'll see how long I can get away with it. Years later, this man would come in contact with someone who would tell him, you're free. You don't even know. It's been signed. It's done. Legally, you are free. And as he checked with other people to find out if it was true, he couldn't believe his ears. He was able to round up his whole family and set out on their own as a free family. It took years for the truth to get there. You know, how true is that for us in our Christian walk? You know, Paul alluded to us as slaves to sin before we come to Christ. And yet once we're freed... Are we living like it? Are we living as freed men and women? Or are we living as if we're still slaves to sin? Not much change, not much difference, same basic lifestyle. Paul's challenge today answers this simple question. How do I live differently? How can I be transformed by God's work in me so I no longer live like a slave? That's the challenge we have today. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. You know, the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands, and uh, we'd love to get them into yours. So we're going to be walking through this verse by verse. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll get one to you, okay? We'd love to have a Bible in each and every person's hand here as we go through this. So again, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. I'll start reading. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
This is the words of the Apostle Paul as inspired by God as he's closing out the first three chapters. Foundational chapters of truth that he wants us to know before he starts calling us to action. Chapters four through six are a call to action. As he starts out, he says, point number one, his power strengthens our inner being. This is what I need you to know and understand and be acting on. His power strengthens our inner being. You know, he starts out, I'll just read it right here in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I didn't make that up. It's right there in the word, okay? The main point is Paul's main words. So let's get the stage set here a little bit, all right? This is Paul's second prayer. Remember his first prayer? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you would know. My prayer for you is enlightenment. Ephesians chapter 1. Please understand this. This one, though, this is a prayer for empowerment. This is a prayer for change. He says, my prayer for you here and now is that you understand how the power of God can be at work in your life to make you different for all eternity. To God be the glory. That's what I need you to know. That's this prayer, okay? So as we get started in verse 14, look what he says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I bow my knees. Okay. So we all, let's close our eyes for a second. Picture a little child praying. How many of you had that little child right by a bedside? Like half the, yeah, everybody, that, that was half of them was that, okay? That's kind of what happens is we picture a by the bedside, maybe kneeling down, hands folded, right? So when we read this, for this reason I bow my knees, we think, oh, that's nice, he's going to pray, okay? That's not what's actually meant by this. In the Jewish community, when they prayed, this is what it looked like. They were standing, they would either have hands in front or hands in back, and they would be moving. And there would be this rocking motion as they prayed, and it kept focus, and it let them not relax during the midst of their prayer. Their passion was to be upright and in request. And it looked like this. So why is he saying, I bow my knees? Is he teaching a new way to pray? Is he saying, hey, now that we're all believing in this faith thing, we're going to bow our knees and pray? No. Actually, what he's saying is, if you take a look at the Greek form of it, when he's saying it, he's really implying, I am so passionate about this that it buckled my knees and it dropped me where I stood. I would normally stand to pray, but not on this one. I'm on my knees. It's so important. I can't even stand as I think through what God needs to do for you. It's buckling me and dropping me where I stand. I'm on my knees for you on this one. Let me tell you, you need to grasp this with all you've got. That's what he's saying. So when we read, so I bow my knees, we need to go, wow. Okay? So everybody say that with me. Wow. One more time. Wow. Okay, that's what's coming. Wow factor. Okay, we're getting there. So he says, I bow my knees. It buckled me before the father. Not before my father, not before a father, before the father. He's going to authority here. He's going to position, but he's also going to relationship. He's saying, this God who cares for me, this God who cares for you, this God who's in charge of all the universe, yeah, that's the one I'm going to. You know, the one who can do anything? Yeah, that's the one that I'm going to. And I'm buckled before him on it. 
He says a little further, well, what father? Tell me a little more about this father. Verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family. There is total authority. There is total relationship with this God. He reaching out to us. And Paul is saying, I'm with that God right now for you. I want this for you. I want it with everything I have. And I've gone to the one who can make the difference. This is something that's going to happen in your life. To God be the glory. Okay? So he starts out in verses 14 and 15, basically setting the stage to say, this is really important to me. All right? Here we go. Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. According to the riches of his glory. Have you heard this phrase before? This is the fifth time in the first three chapters of Ephesians where he has talked about the riches of. The riches of his grace, the riches of his glory, the riches of his mercy, the riches of God lavishing out on us. His utter wealth being able to be shared and spilled into our lives. And again, he's calling out about the riches of God being able to be invested into you, into me. He says, the riches of God's glory may grant you to be strengthened with power, strengthened, gird up, made strong, given ability that you would not otherwise have had, strengthened with power through his spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is so essential to our daily living. And as Paul says, I pray strength for you, he does not get one sentence in without, without saying, it's about the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, I was reading some things this week and one author actually said, you know, sad to say that if the Holy Spirit was not actually here at work, most Christians probably wouldn't change much of how they live. Brutal challenge for us. How much are we leaning on him and leaning in him to be changed and transformed, to have strength to accomplish more than we could have, to have knowledge and insight, conviction and guidance, the Holy Spirit taking up residence in you. Are you leaning on him? Or are you doing it in your own strength? If he did nothing, would you still be doing the same thing? Or would you have dropped in ability and power? We need to be leaning on the Holy Spirit. He goes a little further. He says, through his spirit, in your inner being. In your inner being. Okay. This is that place of perception. That place in the middle of you uh, where you end up, have the ability now to perceive and to decide, to understand and to make decisions and move with. He's saying that part of you is going to be strengthened. In other words, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come in and give you strength so that now you can go lift up a Mack truck. Right? It's not that kind of strength. It's not that. It's inside strength. It's, you know, the kind of strength where when you're challenged with something, you properly understand and discern where God is at and what God wants done. And you properly make the decision to which way to go. That your character is in alignment with his character. And that your ability is able to move in the direction that will be best for you and most glorifying for him. God at work. You responding. Your seat of perception and decision being able to be properly in alignment with him. To be strengthened and enabled to understand what he wants you to do. That's what's basically being challenged there. As he says that he wants to strengthen us, he is saying that he wants us to be capable of growing and doing and being 
Here's the thing. As the pastor of this church who gets to talk with many of you who are wrestling with some struggles or hurts and to be able to pray over things with you and to work things through with you, as a dad in our own home, as a Christian myself, we struggle, don't we? There's moments where we have hard times, right? And we all are wrestling with what do we do with this situation I'm in? And how do I best approach this? Sometimes we make a good decision and sometimes not so much, right? What do we do to actually have this power unleashed in our lives so that we can be different for all eternity? What do we do so that tomorrow when I wake up, I'm not struggling with the same sin again and again and again? Where we get into it and we go... You know, here's what happens. I get a little tired, I get a little weak, and then I go to this, and this is my comfort element, and so I start doing this. I get off track, I come over here, and then I start doing the wrong thing, and bam, I'm right into the middle of that same old sin I'm always in. Whether it be a pride thing, where you talk a lot about yourself. A food thing, where we use it for comfort. You know, a friend thing, where we try to stack deep all the friends we have and can talk to, so we're talking to a million human beings, and not to God himself. Or maybe it's, that we're actually getting into some pretty deep struggles. Sexual sins, chemical addictions, things that are grabbing onto us and they're holding a tight grip and we're giving Satan a stronghold that won't let go. Paul is saying, my knees are buckling for you that that be done. No longer time to live as a slave. You are free. No longer time to live as a slave. You are free free. Amen. We got to get pumped on that. Paul is saying, you got to grasp this. There is no reason to live that way. You have absolutely no reason. It is time to embrace it with all you have. You are free. God's power at work in you, him changing you from the inside out. It's time for that to make a difference. My knees are buckling for you that you grasp this, that you experience this. And that next week you look back and go, wow, that was a big deal for me. Wow. That's where we're headed today. That's what we need to be getting a hold of. Here's the problem. All too often when we preach this, it gets to be a great rah-rah session and we go home with the big statement of like, power, and I'm going to change. And then we get home and we're like, now what do I do? Right? And so you kind of do the sit there thing. Maybe God's going to tell me. Maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll read more. And then we start reading all over the place and we have no direction and we're, and we get lost in it. And a week later, we're back to where we were. That's not where we're going today, okay? I've spent some significant time this week praying through how do we best go after this. So here's a good first step. Let's throw it up there. Okay. These are some things I've put together based on a little bit of reading. This is not in your notes, but I wanted to throw it up there. You can write this down. Three steps that we need to go through if we're going to actually let the power of God come to work in our lives. First, we have to encounter the truth. We're going to have to encounter the truth. We're going to have to put ourselves in the way of God's truth. What's the best way to do that? Okay, everybody who's got a Bible, hold one of those things up, all right? (laughs) This is the best way to do that. How do I encounter the truth of God? Through spending time in his word regularly, regularly, okay? This is time where he can talk with us and he can share with us. I will challenge you with this. It's not about set the clock 
and try to spend 42 minutes or 59 minutes or 172 minutes. It's not about the time. It's about what you're learning. When you spend the time in the Word, just say, Lord, as you start, Lord, I want to encounter the truth you want me to encounter. As you find that truth that you're reading through and you find something where somebody's challenged, somebody's learning, God is this, this is what I need to know today, record it. Just write down a simple statement of what you've learned and why that makes an impact statement to you today. You're really sitting down to say, I'm here to be fed. I'm not getting up till I am. Sometimes that could be 10 minutes, 9 minutes. Sometimes it could be 49 minutes. And we're like, I'm not getting... And God's speaking and getting through as you're working through some time. It's God feed me. It is most important that I encounter the truth. Okay? First step, encounter the truth. Now, just so you know, sometimes that can come from other friends, good counsel and advice. Sometimes it could come as you're reading other things, good healthy books that give you guidance and direction. I'm not against outside information coming in, all right? But the reality is God has given us the Bible to lean on. Little side statement. I heard this a couple weeks back. The Bible. Did you, this is a really cool statement, actually. You know, the Bible isn't necessarily meant to give us explanation of everything. It's meant to give us promises. And the reason we get frustrated is because we start reading the Bible for explanation. I need you to make clear everything you want done here, God. And instead he said, I got a good promise for you. I'm going to be there with you. I got the power to work through with you. We're going to be going through this together. And you're like, yeah, that's not so much what I want to hear. I want the explanation, right? And he's like, that'll come. Just hang on, right? That's how it's working. And we get frustrated because we're going, I don't see it. The answer is get started, be looking for the promises, be writing them down, encounter the truth of who he is, okay? Number two, once we've encountered it, perceive it. This is where all of a sudden your inner being comes into play and God has to start making a move, okay? Second Corinthians 4, it's all about those who don't follow him, their eyes are blinded and that veil needs to be torn back. It is a divine thing when we start understanding the divine character. We need to say, God, help me perceive what I've just encountered. Otherwise, it could quite often look like this. Truth is coming and you go right on past it. You go, hey, I didn't see anything today. And God's like, just so you know, you walk past it, Okay perceive the truth is a part of it. Encountering it isn't enough. I walked up to it, it hit me in the face, and I continued walking. Not acceptable, okay? We're going to need to perceive the truth, and this is where the strengthening of the inner man comes into play, right? That perceiving and deciding part of us, being able to grasp what God wants, as he gives you strength and power to properly perceive and properly decide that's his work in your life. Lord, Help me to encounter. Lord, help me to perceive. This is a daily relationship with him, okay? And then the third step, now that I've perceived it, help me to do it. Respond to the truth. God, may I be different tomorrow for this. Now, we can change that into legalism. I've been told what to do. Just shut up and do it. Thank you. That's Christianity. Oh, my word. How sick, right? That is not the statement. Responding to the truth might often take heart transformation along the way. Be patient with yourself, but lay yourself into God's hands. So here's some things I put under it just so we understand. First, submit to God. How am I responding to this? I've got to submit to God. I've got to lay it before him. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Okay? We're first of all saying, God, you're in charge. It's not about me. I want you to change me. I want you to make me different. I want to be like you want me to be, God. I put myself in your hands. 
Now, you might want to write these words next to it. Sometimes he informs. Sometimes when you're reading scripture, you have the aha moment, like, I never knew that before. Okay? Sometimes he informs. Sometimes he's just encouraging. Don't forget, I'm here with you. Don't forget my power, not yours. Don't forget, don't forget the encouragement moment. Here's the promises. Remember, remember. Sometimes that's who he is. So first informing, sometimes encouraging, sometimes admonishing. You know, the kind of the swift kick, the not that way. Come on over here. We're going to stop doing that now. So, you know, you've ever had those moments where you're reading along and you're hot to trot on some problem and all of a sudden you're reading the scripture, you're talking to a friend and you get sort of the bam. Yeah, I've been wrong there. Okay. I guess I'll come back over here now. Sorry, guys. Right? Like sometimes we get the rebuke moment. Like our time with God saying, I submit to you, Lord, inform me or encourage me, whatever is needed, bring it, bring it. The second one, after we've submitted, James chapter four, verse seven, it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Don't get these out of order, okay? Oftentimes we stand up and we try to resist the devil on our own. So we're like that little kid on the playground and the bully's coming over to us. And so we flex, you know, we do one of these and these little spindly arms and all that, you know, we're like this little loser on the playground going, and the bully's like coming over and he's just going to pummel you, okay? And you're like, I don't get it. It says resist and he's supposed to flee. Well, he's not fleeing from you and your spindly little arms. We're supposed to be making friends and relationship with the biggest man on the playground, God himself. And as we build this relationship with God and we turn around and we flex and he turns around and runs and we're sitting there thinking, yeah, I got this. And God's standing over the top of you going, get out of here. And Satan's on the move. It ain't from you. Okay. He's on the move from God himself. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Promise. He will flee. Okay. Get the order. First, submit to the truth. Second, resist the devil. He will keep whispering. Number one tool of the devil, the lie. Number one tool. So he's going to twist every truth, every promise. He's going to have a little angle that isn't true. Resist the devil and he will flee. All right? Claim the truth promises. Go after him. The last point up there. Put off and put on. You know, this comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. When you are getting rid of something, if you just create a vacuum... You just get rid of the old thing, the habit that's bad and needs to die, and you don't pull it anything new in, that bad habit's going to fill back into that vacuum. It's just going to happen, okay? So when you take something out, you're going to have to look at what should come in on the opposite side of it. Scripture often provides what comes off and what comes on, the bad and the good, the opposings. And so as you look to peel something out of your life, look for what you can put into it to fill that time with good. James McDonald used this phrase, dead to that. When you're putting something off, you say, I'm dead to that. That would make me a slave again, and I'm not. Let's just say it together. Dead to that. One more time. Dead to that. Again. Dead to that. That's our claim. I am dead to that. There is no authority in my life on that. I have no need to go there. I don't care that my body may feel like it, my flesh may scream for it. I've got the power to decide otherwise through Jesus Christ. In Christ alone, I do not need to be a slave to that anymore. It's time for me to move elsewhere. It's time for me to fill that in and put on something else. Amen? Now that's change. Encounter the truth, perceive the truth, and respond to the truth. You are dead to that. Don't fight it on your own. 
submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, then address the dead to that moment. A relationship with the Lord is where the key to this change is at, okay? I'm telling you, my heart is breaking. There are a lot of you out there that are wrestling this, and you jump right to the last point, dead to that. And you keep walking around saying, dead to that, 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 and it's not working. Why isn't this thing working? I've been told to say it. Get the relationship with the Lord. He's the transforming power. Spend the time encountering, perceiving, and responding. All right? I threw on the back of your sheet there. We're not going to go through this. This is for you all week long. This is a ton of information. But this is some information that you can go over. Truths, promises of who you are. Let's just read the first three on the left side. I am accepted. You ready? I am accepted. I am God's child. Read it with me again. I am God's child. Next. I am Christ's friend. Next. I have been justified. Each one of these is worth studying and reviewing. The truth of who you are in him, properly perceived, properly responded to, will always give you the right decision. Pour over these. These can be life-changing moments. Don't just spend five minutes. This is truth of where you stand with him. Encounter it. Perceive it properly and respond to it. You are God's child. Don't listen to the lies from the pit of hell on anything else. Amen? Change. We are strengthened from the inside out. That's where it's at. You know, if you look here right at the end, uh, verse 17, he says, so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, and then he continues on. He says, two things come from this. Number one, Christ gets to dwell. This actually, the emphasis is on the word dwell. It's basically your, your home, your temple is being made homey for Christ. He's able to dwell there now. Before he was residing, but the rooms were cluttered beyond belief. Now they're getting cleaned up. And he may dwell and relax in your temple, who you are. And then the second part is, you are solid. You are rooted, a gardening term of security. And you are grounded, a construction term of security. You're secure and Christ is at home. That's the result of this, okay? You know, I have a friend uh, who went and got uh, laser surgery done on his eye. Now, this is several years back, so it's before the new process, okay? But uh, here's the story he told me when he came back. So he was like 10, 200 vision, stigmatism, all that stuff. Goes in for laser surgery. They lock his head in solid, right? And this blade starts to move closer to your eye, like your eye is held wide open, and the blade keeps coming closer and closer. You know what I mean? until finally it's coming like right up here. And at that point you're thinking, what have I done? You know, one of those. And he said, I'm not kidding you, Tim. There was a moment where as it touched the eye, you could hear it cut your eyeball. At which point my stomach went sick. Everything turned to knots and I went, I'm stupid. You know, he said, I can't believe I'm here. And then after that, they said, okay, we've got it cut. Now we're going to do the laser surgery. And so the laser turns on and what does a laser do? It burns. So he says, all of a sudden, smoke. <laughs> I smell smoke. My eye is now burning. I have let someone cut my eye and burn it. <laughs> what am I doing? And then after that, they put the patch on, and it went for several weeks of the patch on it, which, like I said, this whole process is a little different now, but that's what he was going through. When I talked to him, he had the patch on, and he's like, I'm never doing that again. I was a moron. I'm not doing that, you know? They took the patch off, 
2020 vision, completely healed from that thing. And I said, so what do you think now? And he's like, I'm going back next week for the next one, right? <laughs> hey, once you know you get 2020 out of it, you're going after it. Why would you not want proper perception and proper sight? Yeah, it was a little bit of pain and a little bit of struggle. That's what's going on with you guys. That's what's going on with me. When Christ says it's time for you to change, Tim, he says, guess what? It's going to be a little hurt. It's going to freak you out a little bit at moments, but just hang on. Proper perception's coming. What is it you need to give yourself over to? God wants to change you, and it's going to be time. It's time for you to change. What are we going after? Second point, his power enables comprehension of his love. We can move through these a little faster now. I wanted to make sure we spent some serious time there. His power enables comprehension of his love. Verse 18, he says again that, he may, that uh, we may have strength to comprehend. Now you may get it. You might understand, comprehend, grasp with all the saints. Okay, what this does not mean is every one of us individually gets to grasp it. And so collectively together we could say we all have grasped it. That's not what he means. What he means instead is as you start getting it, and you start working with those around you who get it, and we all together start interacting as a body, we all together as one collective with all the saints get it. We start learning of the love of Christ as we see him care for and reach out to and change those around us. As we watch a heart be softened to him for the first time, as we watch someone totally resistant to God for years crumble into tears and say, it's got to change right now. We come face to face with the love of Christ and we can know it from the inside out. We can know him from the inside out. The strength to comprehend with all the saints. The next phrase here is what is the breadth and length and height and depth? The breadth and length and height and depth. Now, he actually does not say of what. So some think this actually means in the broader sense, the breadth and length and depth and height of God, of everything. Just you get a broader understanding it probably is most appropriate to assume that it's tied to verse 19, where it says, and to know the love of Christ. So we're probably experiencing every aspect and facet of Jesus Christ himself in our lives. His passion, his power, his love, his ability, his insight. You get the breadth and length and depth and height of being able to experience him. You are related to Jesus Christ himself. And you can experience that change forever knowing his love in a way that brings you to your knees. You're so passionate about the change. You know, he says here that not only do we get to know the love of Christ, he says, just so we know, that surpasses all knowledge. Paradox, right? You get to know the unknowable. You know, the vast, immeasurable, limitless God. You get to know that God more and more each day. Picture yourself like the little glasses, okay? So you picture like this little four-ounce glass, and you pick up something, and you pour the water into it, and it just spills over pretty fast, right? God has filled that glass. And as you get filled with him, you learn more of him, you actually now become an eight-ounce glass. And God pours himself in immediately, and he's filled up, and it's spilling over. And, but you've gotten more capacity. As you learn more of him, and you're filled more of him, you gain more. And now you're up to one of those 16-ounce glasses. My wife bought these glasses for us. They're these Mambo, like 16-ouncers. The kind where you have to raise the shelf to make new room for them to fit in. You know what I'm saying? So we have these big Mambo, like pour that thing in. It comes spilling up over the top. Now you're into the 32-ounce things. And then you're into the 64. You just keep growing. And no matter how much you grow in your capacity, God fills it right to the top immediately. 
and there's always more to know to the praise of God's glory. Why is heaven not a boring place? Because you are constantly growing in your capacity to understand him. And as you grow, he is constantly pouring the fullness of him into that until it's spilling over to the top. We get to know him inside and out, top to bottom, thoroughly, thoroughly different to the praise of his glory. We get to know what is surpassing knowledge. We get to know what is beyond knowledge. Him divinely revealing himself to us. We get to be buckled and dropped to our knees, not just Paul, as we get to be transformed for him. You know, he says here at the end that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the goal. To constantly be understanding God in the breadth and depth and length and height of who he is. In as much as you are capable of understanding, pour it into me, God. And where I need to grow, grow me more. Pour it into me, God, and grow me more. That's what it's all about. You want fully satisfying life? It's not about filling yourself with you. It's about filling yourself with him. That's what it's about. You know, our daughter, Alyssa, and my other daughter, Megan, both homeschool. Alyssa specifically for this example. Uh, last year, she was doing some, uh, some work with English over a course of time, and I'd spend some time with her, and Jana was spending time with her. And they just get to spend, Jana and Alyssa get to spend a lot of those special moments together. We, we call them special, but, you know, there's heat, and there's frustration, and there's tears, and, but they're special. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But, but you know what? As Jana gets to spend some moments with Alyssa, teaching her through, for example, in this case, it was grammar. And it was sentence diagramming. And it was pulling out adjectives and those kinds of things. And so where do you, what's a noun? And then what's the adjective associated with the noun? And like all the parents are nodding their heads now. Like, oh, I've been through that nightmare. Yeah. Right? And so there, she's, Jana was trying to work through some stuff with her. And as Alyssa gets a chance to learn those things and grow through those things, let me tell you, there was a moment where when Alyssa got done learning that, she came back happy and excited. But this isn't what she said. I'm just so happy I know how to sentence diagram better now. I'm just so happy that you've taught me adjectives. That's not it. She basically said, Mom, I love you. I love you. I thought we were talking about adjectives. It's about time spent together, wrestling together. And as we change, we get to know the love of the one who has spent the time with us. You will know the love of Christ at work in your life as he works with you step by step to change. What is it that you need to change? What needs to go? I mean, right now. I mean, right here. Let's think about it for a second. Where are you acting like a slave? It's time for that to end. We serve a mighty God who loves you with everything he's got. You do not have to struggle in that any more. It's done. I am dead to that. Say it with me. I am dead to that. It's time to submit to him. It's time to resist the devil. And it is time to go hard after putting off and putting on with the power of God at work in you. Today is the day for change. Let's be different for who God is in our lives. Amen. First, he gives us the strength for the inner being. Second, he gives us the the ability to comprehend his love. And last, his power has no bounds. His power has no bounds. 
Look what he says here in verse 20. This is like Paul gets going. I just, he's, he's a preacher, man. He's just ripping it. He's getting through this prayer and you can just see him. He's probably just starting to move up and down. And all of a sudden he says, it's time to end with a doxology and I'm going to rip it. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. That's who we're talking about. The one at work in us, far beyond anything we could ask or think. You picture what that change looks like. God's got better. You picture what that power looks like in your life and what needs to be different. God's got bigger and he's bringing it with all he's got. Let's go after our God who loves us with all he has. In Christ alone, there is power to change. In Christ alone, we can be different for all eternity. Our God at work in our lives. I personally can be done with the junk I struggle with each week. When you struggle with pride issues, when you struggle with weakness issues and somebody hurts you and when you struggle with wherever you tend to go for your weak spot, whatever it is, it can be doing things that seem good too, by the way. Maybe it's too much working out. Maybe it's too much just trying to help other people so that you can feel good about yourself. There's times where our motives are twisted sick and it's time for us to give that up because God's power is at work in us. Not because we're going to muscle it, but because he wants a difference in you for all eternity. Amen? Our God at work in us for all eternity, he wants you to live as free. He wants you to live as free. Today's the day for freedom. The Emancipation Proclamation has been signed on your spirit. Don't live as a slave anymore. We are free. Say it with me. We are free. In God, we are free. In Christ alone, we are free. He closes out here and he says, some simple words, forever and ever. Amen. Now that's a way to end. What I'm saying It's true, and it isn't stopping. It's true for now, and it's going to be true for always. Experience the power of God at work in your life. You can do it with his power. You can change with his strength. I don't know what some of you are going through, but I do know what others of you are going through. And I know this, no matter what, your God loves you. And he is ready to stoop down next to you and walk it through with you slowly, step by step, with the promises from his word and the power of him at work in you. And you can be free. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Let me pray.